0: All right. Welcome. Happy Monday. Crazy hair here. (laughs) As I said, I am so very, very glad to share this Juneteenth evening with you all and with our meditation practice. It's a day of reflecting on, talking about being with ideas of freedom and liberation in the greater social justice that we're paying attention to these days, as well as the ways that we explore that same sense of freedom and liberation within ourselves, within our practice. And I'm, I'm really happy to have the opportunity to teach on a night where perhaps those two ideas can come together a bit. We're gonna continue on in our series that we just started. So the series is Birds, Books, and Awe. And last week, I introduced the quote that is sort of thematic of the series. It's going to carry us through this series of sort of disparate pieces like birds and books. And the quote is a very famous one from Rilke, and I'll read it again tonight. Be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. This quote that's carrying us through is a very beautifully written invitation to be okay with not knowing, to let go of the idea that we are only okay or good enough or smart enough when we know all the answers, as if somehow we might one day accomplish that feat of knowing everything. And instead, I think it's such a lovely invitation to admit that we don't know, we will likely never know, and also that might be more than enough. It might be more than enough to trust our own inner knowing, even if that isn't the same knowing as what we can Google as what science can prove or a name can specify. And so we're exploring this idea of, you know, can my own inner knowing be enough? I know y'all know, cause I talk about it often, a voracious reader. They're, literally I am on the hunt for a patron that will just fund my book buying habit. Like if you're out there, podcast listener, I need you to fund my book buying habit because it's a problem. I have a budget. I blow it every single month. I even go to the library and it's still a problem, right? And I tend to read, I alternate between like psychoeducational books on meditation, spirituality, psychotherapy, books that help me to be a better teacher and novels that I read for Pure enjoyment. And I tend to mostly alternate between the two. And what's interesting to me is that I find almost as frequently as the psychoeducational books, novels inspire both my practice and my teaching. But what's interesting to me about it is it very rarely will show up in the form of a literal teaching from the book right? So for example, if I'm reading a book on mindful self-compassion, that could quite literally become a series that I would then teach about, right? That would inform how I teach mindful self-compassion. But the book I just read, Ink Blood Sister Scribe, which I highly recommend my friends, is a book about magic books. And it's not going to show up in a literal teaching. I'm not going to teach from the context of the book. And yet, even though I cannot name how or why, I feel a thread of connection, a sense of energy or curiosity or inspiration that is balanced between this book that I just read And what I'm exploring within my own meditation practice within myself. And I wonder if anybody else has had that experience. If you've read a book where you're like, I don't know how or why, but somehow this feels magically meditative. I would love to know the name. Feel free to throw it in the chat. It made me think about language and the false sense of mastery that words can sometimes give us. Because if I read something and then I say, oh, well, clearly this is related to my practice in this way. It makes me feel like I know it. I named it. I put words to it. I explained it to somebody else. And so clearly it needs no further reflection. Clearly I have mastered this thing. I understand it. Check. And when I can't do that, It leaves me feeling, uh, I don't know, maybe a little unmoored, like, how do I put words to this thing that I can't quite explain? And that feeling is the exact same feeling I have, and I know a lot of you have, around your meditation practice, right? We've joked many times. One of our longtime Monday night students once said something along the lines of, I don't know exactly how or why my meditation practice helps me, but I definitely know if I miss it, right? And that seems to be one of the best descriptors of a practice I've come across. You know, when we think about something as rich, as deep, as alive, as ephemeral, as our relationship to our inner self. How can we put words to that? How can we do it justice by things that are in and of themselves limiting? When the practice, when ourselves are boundless, there is no limit to that. And we try to explain it. We come up short and suddenly we feel like we're failing in some way. When the truth is, there's no possible way words could do justice to what happens on the inside. There's no way. I. So often I feel these really interesting connections between what I'm dreaming about, what shows up in my meditation practice, maybe what I'm reading or what I heard in a podcast somewhere. And when I try to explain those connective threads to somebody else, it almost never makes sense. I can almost never make it feel so connective out in the world as it does inside me, right? And so I think maybe it's worthwhile to think about the difference between signs and symbols to help us muddle through this complex thought process. So a sign is something that very clearly tells you what to do. It says, turn that way or stop. Right? A sign is a clear directive. A symbol, on the other hand, is something that vaguely points in a direction, but you really need more information to understand it. Okay, So a symbol points in a direction. It gives you something to reflect on, to pay attention to, to be curious about. But it's not a clear, like, now this is the thing. It's more of a, hmm, what does that mean? And what's interesting to me, I was just reading Ways of Being by James Bridle. And he writes in it of the evolution of language, which started as... Pictograms, right? Rather than the Latin letters, the way we write today, rather than A, B, C, D, they were pictures, they were images, they were these pictures that represented the thing being talked about. And over time, those pictures began to evolve to morph into alphabets. And the first alphabets the ones that still inspire the letters that we use today. The A was bullhorns. And the M was waves of water. The Q was a monkey tail. The O was an I. They were in and of themselves images. And what we have forgotten is that language tells a story through nature. You know, we read a word today and that word has a very clear meaning. It usually has one meaning, maybe two. We know them and we move on. When we invite ourselves to shift language from being a sign, something very clear that says, this is what this is, to a symbol something that tells a story, but it's not so limited, it's not so specific. I wonder what that does for our inner knowing. What if I didn't feel like I had to explain why some book lit me up the way it did? What if I didn't have to explain exactly what my meditation practice made me feel? or do, or gave me. And instead, I could let it be a truth in and of itself, and I could let it live symbolically, meaning it's just sort of guiding me in this next direction, even though I don't fully understand it. It is the locked door. It is the book written in the foreign tongue. And so my invitation for us tonight as we practice is, what if we try to practice with no words? Now, obviously, I'm still going to use words. I'm still going to guide you. But what if you practice with no words? So when we close our eyes, when we start to go inside, we're not narrating to ourselves. We are not having a discussion with ourselves. We are not providing a description of any sort. It's almost as if we're inviting images to unfold for us, symbols to unfold for us, without any explanation needed. And what I wonder is, what does that do for your practice? What does that do for your connection to your sense of inner knowing? of trusting your inner experience when it no longer feels like something that you have to master with descriptors. It's not something you have to explain to anybody else. It reminds me, and some of you will probably remember this, I've taught it many times in a lot of the ancient texts, the original text written about meditation. One of the words used, it's a Pali word. That was the language that most of these texts were written in. The Pali word used is ehiposiko. Ehiposiko, which means come and see for yourself. It means you can sit here and listen to me use these beautiful words and describe what happens all day long. And I bet for at least a lot of you, your brain is going to go, oh, yeah, I get that. Absolutely. Makes sense. Check. And because our brain said that, it's as if we mastered it. You're like, yeah, I know meditation now because I read that book, because I listened to that talk, and it made sense. And yet, when we sit and practice, it is an entirely different experience. One of my favorite things on the planet is listening to a student tell me about something that happened to them in meditation. I love it because nobody uses the same words and there's no guarantee that what they say is anything I've ever heard before. And that doesn't make it right or wrong or better or worse. It's your experience of your inner world that is incredible. And it doesn't come from a book. It doesn't come from a lecture. It doesn't come from words. It comes from the symbols, the images, the story told through nature, our nature. And so, as with birds and with books, the invitation is to let go of needing to know and more so invite ourselves into feeling or experiencing our own connection to these things. Yeah? So today, let us sit in practice with no words, with our own sense of curiosity, and perhaps our own threads that we are interested in exploring in practice. What do you want to reflect on? What do you want to feel? Let's see what happens. Join me in finding a comfortable seat. Allowing your hands to rest onto your lap. Allowing your eyes to close if you choose, or perhaps just taking a soft gaze down towards the ground. Together as a group here this evening. Let's take a deep breath in. And exhale out a sigh. And we'll do this once more, inhaling deeply. Exhaling out a sigh. Allowing your breath just to flow. And beginning your practice by silently saying to yourself, now is my time to meditate. Now... Is my time to meditate? And as you say those words to yourself, I wonder how much more you can sit down, letting go of all those little ways that we are constantly preparing for what comes next. And instead, we'll allow ourselves to let go into the chair or cushion beneath us. Feeling the fullness of ourselves settle here. You might gently straighten up your spine. feeling the crown of the head lift and the shoulders roll back and down. As we sit here and breathe, we'll take a moment just in our mind to draw three circles around ourselves. three circles of protection. The first circle protecting us from all the noises and distractions happening out there in the world. The second circle protecting us from our thoughts, our ideas. And the third circle protecting us from the stories that we tell ourselves. We find ourselves seated here inside these three circles. A body that is and of itself is a sacred temple of the cosmos, the universe. As you settle inside yourself, breathing, you feel the muscles through the face letting go. Across your forehead, your eyes and your jaw. Letting go inside the mouth and in between the ears. Relaxing along the neck and the tops of the shoulders. feeling all the way down the length of the arms, through your wrists, your palms, and your fingertips. Feeling for a moment as if you were breathing in and out of your fingertips. Moving your awareness down through your chest now. Softening all the muscles of the chest. Softening all the muscles in the belly. Feeling yourself breathe here for a moment with a soft belly. You might notice as you breathe that sense of pulsation. The way you expand out in all directions as you breathe in. The way you draw in towards center as you breathe out. And then you might start to feel as if your breath is moving up and down the channel of the spine. As if you were breathing from the base of the spine up towards the nostrils. And from the nostrils all the way back down to the base of the spine. letting your mind, your inner awareness, simply follow the path of the breath as it travels from the base up to the nostril and the nostrils down to the base. When we invite ourselves to do this without any need for words, no description, no conversation. Instead, it is just the movement of the breath. The breath traveling up. And the breath traveling down. And as we settle into about 10 minutes in silence here, let's invite ourselves to stay in the realm of symbols. stay in the realm of the unknown the questions rather than the answers i'm writing the wave of your breath up the spine and the wave of your breath down the spine Feeling your breath here. Taking a moment to let go of any words. Any need to explain or describe or even name. And instead use this last minute to simply feel your experience. Allowing your breath to deepen just a touch. Gradually wiggling into fingers and toes to find those edges once again. As you feel ready, we'll take one last deep breath in together. Exhaling out a sigh. Taking all the time you need to let go of your practice. To hold on to your own inner knowing. And when you're ready, to blink your eyes open once again. Thank you, friends. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show, and let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators out there. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and is produced with the support of Michael Sayhouse and Brianna Nielsen. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.